Great retelling of story from beginning to end, right? It's wonderful. It's one story. We talked about that last week, is that the gospel story, the Christmas story is one story, and that was so beautifully presented as it begins, and God's rescue plan to, to rescue a wrecked world. Um, this morning, I just want to offer you a very quick, very brief thought. Uh, it, uh, if you've got your Bible, I'd like you to open to Matthew chapter 2. I want to just look very briefly at a story. It's part of the birth narrative. It didn't happen the night that Jesus was born, but it's we saw the wise people come up for get, bringing their gifts during the production. We're looking during this Advent season at what it means that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that he came as an actual human being, is that that miracle, that uh, essential part of our faith is, is uh, I think, has such depth to it. What does it mean that Jesus was like us? And so in Matthew chapter 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. I want to stop with that just briefly. The story of the wise men is probably one of those stories that has so much tradition in it that we sometimes, I think, miss the picture of it because so many parts of the story, we have filled in the blanks. And sometimes the Bible leaves blanks for its own purpose, right? So how many wise people were there? We don't know. doesn't say there were three. Maybe. They kind of get that. How many gifts did they offer? Well, three that are mentioned, so that's why they take three, gold, frankincense, and myrrh that they take. But we don't know. Do they have camels? Who knows? Maybe. They can, where do they come from? East. That's that's a lot. That's a big part. You know, east. They just came from east somewhere. We don't really know where they came from. We don't know much about them. And so much that we end up filling in about them is stuff that, uh, you know, I, when I grew up, I thought they had names. Like, we gave them names. Gaspar, this is trivia, Gaspar, Melchior, Balthazar, right? No, that's not the Bible. That's just, we've just, we've just put that in as tradition. And that's, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just, they weren't at the manger, clearly. They came after Jesus was born. But it's really hard to wait two years after you do a production to bring the, the camels back. So we do it the same night. So we get the feeling they came the same night, really crowded stable with the shepherds and wise men were all sitting there. No, it didn't happen like that. The star, yes, there was a star, but we don't really know what the light was. We don't know what kind, what it looked like. We don't know how it rested over the manger. We just, we don't, there's so much we don't know. Here's what we do know. We know that people who weren't Jews somehow found their way to this child. And that people who weren't part of the promise, they weren't part of the covenant. That's what one of the things the Bible wants us to see is these were not people that were part of the covenant. And they were welcomed. They were, they were watching and waiting to see they, in their own way, had discovered that the, this astro, astronomical event was pointing to something in the Hebrew Scriptures. So the first thing that I think this narrative wants us to see that we can miss for all the details is that Jesus' kingdom is universal. It's for all people, all men and women, at all times, in all places. 
And it's for people inside the territory and outside the territory. The fact that we would say that Jesus Christ is for all people is the answer is in and of itself can be considered very offensive. Hey, Paul, would you shut that door for me, please? I'm just getting a lot of ambient noise from somebody. Paul, Paula. It's good, good to have all the Pauls over here. We need to, as if, if you're a Christian, one of the things in our culture that's just very prevalent is to say, well, it's, it's good for you, but who are we to say that it's good for all? The Bible makes no such reserv- has no such reservations about saying that Jesus Christ is the Savior of all people, inside and outside, and this is one of the reasons we have these the Magi there. We would be quite offended probably by them. They're magicians. They're they're wizards in a sense. They were uh, astronomers and, and and astrologers. They looked at signs, and we might the Jews did not look favorably on these people because they saw it as sort of divination and sorcery, and yet. God somehow reached in and brought them to a place where they had a choice to decide what they were going to do about Jesus. And that brings us to the verse we just read, because the second thing that I think Matthew really wants us to see is this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, this is two kings in one verse. Two kings in one verse doesn't say Jesus is a king yet. It wasn't Matthew's way. He would, by the end of the gospel, declare that Jesus is the king of the Jews. But in 40 B.C., roughly, give or take, the Roman Senate had issued Herod the title of king of the Jews. He was a bad dude, Herod the Great. He was, this is not the Herod that ends up, one of his sons is one of the ones that ends up with the Herod that crucifies Jesus at the end. Herod the Great died right around the time of Jesus' birth. He was quite ill. There's much extant literature, non-biblical accounts of Herod and what he did, and it's hard to read some of it. He was so wicked and evil. He was a, an excellent politician. He knew how to get power and to maintain it. He was paranoid. He uh, decided that it, it was better to uh, keep keep power than let any of it go. And so when uh, he became king of the Jews, he held on to that to the extent even that he ended up killing one of his wives and three of his sons that he decided were going to uh, try to overthrow him. Whether they were or not remains but the, the intrigue of the courts. He was the kind of guy, this is a true story, that uh, when he was about to die... He uh, knew that everyone was going to celebrate his death, not mourn him. So he told his sister and his brother-in-law to bring all the, a lot of the elders, the Jewish elders, into the Hippodrome area of Jerusalem and said as soon as his death was announced, slaughter them all because at least they'll be mourning. It's a bad dude. Guy who was willing to do whatever he wanted to do to retain power. When Jesus Christ comes, kingdoms become in conflict. And I think what this story wants us to see is that as the one King Jesus is born, helpless in the flesh as a baby, the king who had reigned ruthlessly in Palestine in this area 
for about 40 years, that was a long reign back then, was seeing that his own title and his own kingdom was on the line. Now, we can, uh, you know, it's fine to judge Herod. He's a, a wicked guy. The question for us is this. When Jesus Christ comes, who's the king? Because, see, our default position as human beings is that we're the king. We, we get to decide what's right. We are the arbiters of ultimate truth. We are the ones that say what's good or bad or right or wrong. It comes in many, many forms. It's much more benign now. We, we have it. The, the, you know, the, the sort of byword today is sort of follow, follow your heart. Right? What does that mean, follow your heart? Put you right inside your own chest, I guess. What does it mean? It means your dreams, what you want to do, are the ultimate arbiter. It's your star that guides you. You know, famous lines, Henley's Invictus, I am the master of my fate, right? I am the captain of my soul. I'm the king. I'm the king. I get to decide. Who, who, who is anybody to tell me what's right or wrong, what's good or bad? I decide. When Jesus Christ comes, when a king comes into this world, he lays claim to ultimate truth. And he says, will you bow your knee before me? And these wise men who were probably people of substance, who were esteemed, who had in their own culture some credibility came, and they brought gifts and they submitted themselves to this new king. And in in the meantime, they dissed Herod, going back the other way. And we see in another narrative, not in this one, but Herod continues his slaughtering ways because you have two responses to this king. You either submit to him or you kill him. Herod tried to kill him. And we try to, we can try to get rid of this narrative and we be the king of our life. And for whatever years we're given on this earth, we rule and we reign. And it's ours to determine. And at the end of it, We'll all figure out who the king is. The good news is, is that he came as one of us. That Jesus Christ, born as a human, as a baby, came to identify with you and with me. So that we can have a king that understands us and that knows us. That loves us literally to death. Jesus Christ died as your king. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? For those who will hear this call, for those who will know the story that they've played out isn't just a children's story. This is the most important story in all of humankind. Because the one true king has come to remove all of us who want to be the kings of our own life. So who's ruling and reigning? Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for this story that so many of the young people of our church have 
have so beautifully articulated for us that you began an arc of this story to see a rescue plan enacted and come to fruition that would give us a way to be restored to what you initially designed. And that even as the first humans, Adam and Eve, decided they would be king and they would determine what was right and wrong and what God had said and not said, you through the true Israel, the true king, have come and are bringing things right. So, Lord, we ask that as we come these last 10 days or so until Christmas, that you would bring us to the point where we could bow our knee before you, that if there's any vestige in us that would want to rule and reign in our lives, to sit over top of you rather than have you live through us, we ask that we would be humbled. Lord, help us not to be the Herod type that's proud and that wants to keep our power and control at the expense of all others. But help us, Lord, instead to bring our gifts and bow our knee before the one true king who has come to set us free. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please, as we close in worship?